0: So, I wonder how many of you made uh, New Year's resolutions and how well you're doing. Uh, here we are, we're coming to the end of February, be March on Friday. How well are you doing keeping your re- resolutions? Some of them will have gone to pot. Some of them, I suppose, you're sticking with and doing all right with. Others of them, you just wish you could put them out of your mind. One of the best ways to keep a resolution is probably to set some pretty low standards. I, uh, I was amazed, I was doing some research on the internet a couple of months ago, and uh, People Magazine reported that the resolution made by some members of the, holiday, uh, the Hollywood crowd uh, were rather interesting. Singer Michelle Branch, uh, this is genuine, she committed a New Year's resolution was, quote, to drink more water. How are you doing on that one then, Michelle, I wonder? Actress, Susan Sarandon, you know her? Yeah? Yeah? Hers was to try and have more fun. (laughs) Margaret, how are you doing on that one? (laughs) Not very good. Thing is, almost anybody can hold to a resolution that doesn't demand too much of you. That's that's, that's the truth, isn't it? It doesn't need much effort, but... As we plow on into 2019, with many a resolution no doubt broken, I guess we need to make sure that as a church, we're still doing the right things. We're still going the right way and not missing the mark of God's standard for his church. Probably the most important, most blessed, most highly distinguished and valued resolution I would dare to suggest to you that a human being can ever make, is to personally surrender their life to Jesus Christ. The problem is, once you do that, once you surrender your life to Jesus, all of that has to be worked out in the real world. It can't just be worked out on a Sunday evening at six o'clock for the hour or so that we're together. It has to be worked out beyond those nice big wooden doors in the relationships that you and I have, in the workplaces that we go to, in the different contexts in which we find ourselves, and there is, uh, believe me, a kaleidoscope of different contexts, and there is a myriad of different relationships in in which you have to try and work out what it means to be a Christian. And you may well have approached the new year thinking, well, 2019, I'm going to be a better Christian. So I ask you again, how are you doing? Because I ask myself that. And sometimes I have to be honest and say, not too good. See, the, the interesting thing is, God may well save us individually through a personal faith. He wants us to have a personal relationship with Him through faith in Jesus. But he doesn't leave us to live out the Christian life in glorious isolation, does he? He calls us to live it out in community, in relationship with other people, the church. It's what Paul bangs on about. Remember that uh, passage Romans 12 he writes just as each one of us has one body with many members and these members do not have the same function so in Christ we who are many we are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others that's mariah isn't it that's mariah baptist church it's not a building mariah baptist church is you and me interlocked interwoven mingling together to be the body of christ and you read throughout romans and one corinthians and ephesians and the book of colossians paul what 30 times at least makes reference to the body of christ he uses that analogy for what it means to be the church the human body he expresses it in that way and he says that just as our bodies need care and attention, so to the church, the body of Christ needs to experience health and growth and nutrition, and that can only happen when things are working properly. Many of you will know that for many years uh, I worked for the Baptist Union and uh, one of the things that always fascinated me, uh, through my work with them, is how churches grow and what it is that stops churches grow, growing as much as what helps them to grow. And I think one of the things that analysis has shown is that there is an importance in a healthy church to keep certain things in balance. In a healthy church, you've got to keep a balance between things like instruction and ministry and prayer and adoration and caring and, of course, telling. You know, instruction, the teaching of God's word, ministry, prayer. Prayer is so important. We've rediscovered that as a church, I think. Adoration, worship, caring, caring for one another. Not just expecting one person to do all the caring, but actually caring for one another and telling. Evangelism. Mission. That's something we as a church are really trying to focus on, isn't it, this year. And if you read through uh, the book of Acts, if you read through the great commandment in Matthew 22, the great commission in Matthew 28, if you read through Paul in Ephesians 4, those things listed there are basically the things that Jesus and the apostles talk about when it comes to understanding the nature of church. Church and what church should be and how church should grow get one of those things out of balance and the danger is you can be in trouble you can be a dysfunctional church so some churches do an awful lot of worship but have very little instruction or ministry some churches are brilliant at caring for one another but rubbish at telling other people about jesus I'm yet to come across a church that is brilliant about telling other people about Jesus and rubbish at everything else. But there's a balancing act here that you've got to work hard at. But have you noticed in your own life it's easy to get things out of balance? It is, isn't it? We all do it. We get things out of balance very, very easily. So you need to, we need to guard against that in the church. We need to guard against it, overemphasising one aspect of ministry to the exclusion of the others. I read a very challenging book a number of years ago by uh, the Christian writer Bill Hybels. It was called Courageous Leadership. And in it, he makes a very, very interesting uh, observation about The church. It's gripping what he says. There is nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving, heals the broken in the context of community. It builds bridges to seekers and offers truth to the confused. It provides resources for those in need and open its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden and the disillusioned. Whatever the capacity for human suffering, the church has a greater capacity for healing and wholeness. The radical message of transforming love has been given to the church. Wow! Isn't that great? I want to be part of a church like that, don't you? That's what... You want to know what I want for Mariah? There it is. That's what I want for the local church of Jesus Christ. It's awesome. So let's explore this a bit further tonight. Clarice is going to come and she's going to read for us now a beautiful little passage. If you want to follow it in your Bibles, why don't you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, If you've got an app on your phone, you can open it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Thank you, Clarice. Come and read that lovely little passage for us. Thank you.
1: Now the body is not made up of one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? We are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it, if one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Amen. Thank you,
0: Clarice. Thanks very much, Clarice. When you uh, came to chapel this evening, you should have been given a piece of jigsaw. Hope you've got a piece. Anybody not got a piece? Is that of interest? Anybody not got a piece? Oh, you've done well. Well done. My amazing team over here. So I just want you to have a look at your jigsaw piece. Just make sure that you're holding that and having a look at it. Um, This is a reminder for you. This is something for you to take away as a reminder tonight that you are very, very special. You are very special and a valuable part of God's picture For this church, for Mariah. I'd like to suggest that some of us might feel a bit disconnected from others in this church. We don't sense a connectedness. So I want to stay straight off this evening before we go any further. We are in this together. There is no us and them. Just because I'm standing up here and you're sitting there, just because some of you hold office in the life of the church, just because some of you may have been here a very long time, it doesn't matter. We are in this together. And I hope and pray that you take away this piece of jigsaw, and as innocuous as it is, with pepper Pig blinking on it, this will become something very special and very precious to you, because you have a part in this church. It's very interesting that every snapshot of the church in the New Testament is a group picture. It's never about an individual. It's always about a group. The Apostle Paul, we know, stayed in Corinth, 18 long months, working through the many problems that divided that church And it's into that particular setting that he he tells them we're all linked together, we're all part of a jigsaw, pieces of a puzzle. And as such, our linkage means that we're bound to do life together, to care for one another. So take a look at your puzzle piece as we walk through some of these principles together this evening i want you to see first of all that each part is a united whole but not all the pieces are the same if you sat next to somebody have a look at their piece hopefully it's different you'll see that your piece may well not fit their piece we're not uniform we see this in verse 14 Verse 14 says, the body is not made up of one part, but of many human bodies. uh, One unit, but they're made up of individual ingredients. And so the body of Christ, the church, is an entity with a plethora of pieces. And the word there, do you notice the word many there? That's an important word because it carries the idea of abundance, of much. What the Greek word means? I don't know about you, but I love peanuts cartoons. Do you like peanuts cartoons? I like peanuts as well, mate. But there we go. There's this one. I don't know whether you can see it very well, but Lucy's demanding that Linus change the channel on the television, and threatens him with her fist. And uh, Linus isn't too frightened by this, and uh, he says, uh, "What makes you think you can walk right in here and take over?" And she's got a scowl on her face, and Lucy replies. These five fingers, individually they're nothing. But when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. And immediately Linus responds, Which channel do you want? <laughs> you try that when you go home tonight. As he's walking towards the television, he looks at his fingers and he says, Why can't you guys be as organized as that? (laughs) I'm not condoning Lucy's methods, but it's a great illustration of how the church would do well to think of itself needing to work together. Individually, we're nothing. But when we're curled into a single unit, we form a weapon that is absolutely amazing. It's only when our many pieces come together that we can demonstrate a picture of God's amazing power. Take another look at your piece. Each piece is indispensable. No piece of a jigsaw is inferior. Because it's blinking annoying when that inferior piece is missing, isn't it? You ever done that? You go to a charity shop and you you get a a jigsaw and you think, this will be brilliant. Rainy day comes and you start doing it and flip me. You find out why they put it in the charity shop. Not all the pieces are there. In verses 15 through 17, Paul's addressing those of us who may well feel inferior. He says, look if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I I don't belong to the body. He would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. A foot may well feel less important and a hand and an ear may feel mediocre compared to an eye. But Paul's establishing the truth that every single piece is valuable. So you may well hold an innocuous piece of the puzzle tonight. Yours may have nothing of the picture on it. It may not be a, a corner piece. It may have just one little bit that needs to connect but it is valuable to the whole, and necessary to the picture. Can you imagine yourself on an aeroplane, and as you buckle your seat, and uh, settle in for your flight, you smile because you went on kayak.com, and got the most amazing deal, and the pilot comes over the intercom, and he makes his announcement, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking, The reason your ticket was so much cheaper is that we've done away with the people you never see. The maintenance guys who service the plane, the navigator, who's only really needed on foggy nights like tonight, and the air traffic controller up in the tower. We also didn't think it was necessary to have the security people checking your bags for weapons. Have a nice flight. Now, I don't know about you, you'd be out of your seat before he said anything else. We wouldn't want to reserve a seat on that plane. The smaller pieces in God's puzzle, the church, are just as important as the more visible ones. Not one of us is inferior. This church will never fulfill its potential if you and I don't all do our part. Look at your piece again. Each piece is uniquely designed. In the church, we'd say divinely designed, not humanly developed. I think this is such an important truth here, because I think when we, when we fully grasp that, I think we'll experience freedom and joy like we've never had before. Please hear me on this. God made you just the way he wanted you. You've been designed to reflect his purposes. You are not me. I am not you. You are not your mother. You are not your sister. You are you. Unique. Shaped by God. Who knit you together in your mother's womb. Your peace has a place right here in this church. Look at verse 18. In fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. In our world, where people tell us so often that people are inferior because of their skin color or because they don't speak a certain language or because they are a certain size, We need to remember that we are part of God's awesome arrangement called the church. You and me. All of us valuable. All of us special. I was reading about a panel of women who got together a while ago and debated who they thought would make a perfect man. Listen up, fellas, this is interesting. You'd think that they might have come up with some actor like George Clooney or an athlete like Usain Bolt or a wealthy tycoon. No, no, they decided the perfect man, Mr Potato Head. Four reasons they gave, he's tanned, he's cute, he knows the importance of accessorizing, and most importantly, if he looks at another woman, you can rearrange his face. We don't have that option in the church. You like that, don't you? (laughs) We don't have that option in the church. God has determined who's going to be what part and where that part's going to plug in. can't rearrange that. It's you and me. This is God's plan. We are who we are. You notice that this verse also says something? It says every one of them. No matter how you feel this evening, you're not exempt from God's exhilarating exhibition of his glory in the church. You're not disqualified because of something you've done or how inadequate you may feel. You have been designed on purpose to have a purpose. That purpose, of course, is fundamentally to find your place in God's economy. Once you discover your place, it's time to plug in to the greatest adventure you could wish for. Look at your piece. This is you. You have a part to play. God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted. See that in the verse? Just as he wanted them to be. The word wanted there in the Greek again, it it carries so much more with it. It actually means just as he wanted because he he loves them, because he delights in them you ever thought about that? When's the last time you understood God loves you? He delights in you. You are special to him. Many of us have suffered from people telling us that we're rubbish, putting us down, telling us that we're a waste of space, we're a failure, we'll never match up. God delights in you. Is doing just what he wants with you. For his delight and his pleasure. The psalmist knew that. Psalm 135 verse 6. The Lord does whatever he pleases him. And he doesn't make mistakes, does he? That means when we question the size or shape of our piece of the puzzle, we're really questioning God. When we refuse to interlock our piece with others, then we're disobeying God. And boy, oh boy, when we make a commitment to Jesus and with his people in the church, wow, God is pleased beyond measure. On the first day of school, a kid came home and her mother anxiously asked her how everything went. And the little girl said, oh, mummy, it, uh, it was wonderful. A little black girl sat next to me. And the mother, fearing what her daughter might have thought about this, uh, asked her, you know, well, h- how did you manage? And the daughter responded, oh, we were both so scared we held hands all day. That's it, isn't it? It's wonderful how young children have the ability to see past how we are different and allow the ways that we are the same to draw us together. Maybe we need to stop looking at the differences between all of us and start understanding what binds us together. Friends, God dreams of a church where black and white Romanian and Welsh, rich and poor, factory worker and business owner, couple and single, policeman and former criminal, student and senior citizen, reformed prostitute and youthful virgin, lifelong saint and former sinner, can all join hands and celebrate our design diversity. Hallelujah. I want to be part of a church like that. Look at your piece again. Each piece is distinct yet it's not deformed. The feelings of inferiority are addressed back in verses 15 through 17. You'll see how Paul addresses those who are filled with a certain pride in verse 21. He says, look, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I well, don't need you. You know how it is when a speck of dust blows into your eye. What do you instinctively do? You start to play with it, don't you? And you pull down your eye and you start playing with it and it starts to water and everything starts to happen. Without the hand, including its specifically functioning fingers, that irritant would just remain in your eye and cause you havoc. As you look at your little jigsaw piece in your hand and compare it with those of others who are sitting by you, you'll quickly discover that yours is designed differently. The shape of your piece and the location where it fits in God's picture of the church is quite distinct from everybody else's. Why? Because you're a masterpiece. Because there's never been anyone like you before. And praise God, there'll never be anybody like you again. That's why I'm against cloning. One of me walking around, I tell you, is enough. Enough. But that's the thing, your contribution, your contribution to God's purposes here at Moriah, that's unique. So we've got to guard against thinking that we're more special than others. Instead of thinking that one piece is more prominent and everybody else is a poor imitation. No, 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 we're we're just different. Different doesn't mean deformed, we we, we just need each other. Many of you will know that uh, Pastor Tim is a huge... Uh, American football fan. He's introduced me to a guy uh, called Vince Lombardi. And uh, Vince Lombardi is the coach of the Green Bay Packers, an American uh, football team. And he, he's an incredible guy. He, 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 um, he famously said this to his players, to his team. He said, if you're going to play together as a team, you've got to care for one another. I wonder if Gatlin said this to the team yesterday. You've got to love each other. Did you look into Arlene Wynne-Jones' eyes and say, you've got to love each other? Each player has to be thinking about the next guy and say to himself, if I don't block that man, Paul's going to get his legs broken. I have to do my job well in order that he can do his. Lombardi went on to say that the difference between mediocrity and greatness is the feelings that his guys had for each other. You know, we'll never care for one another, or for non-Christians for that matter, if we believe that in some way you're more special, more important, or better than they are. We are not. Look at your piece again. You notice how jigsaw pieces are designed to be interconnected, not independent The last part of verse 24 establishes the principle of interconnectedness. Now, we're Baptists. This is brilliant for us. Because a Baptist principle is that we belong in association with each other, that we are interdependent, not just independent. So it's very important that we are concerned about what's happening up the road. In places like Kum where there is one Christian church left. Think about that. One viable Christian presence left in that community. Now that troubles me. That's a burden to me. And that one church that's left is connected to us because it's a Baptist church. And it's part of our association. And I want you to join me in praying for Zion Khan. Because I think there's an obligation upon a strong church like us to interconnect with them and to help them and to seek to be a Christian presence in that community. One of the things that Trevor and I have been talking about increasingly over the last 18 months is this challenge to Mariah to understand God has blessed us. We're a big church. God has brought people here with gifts and abilities and talents we need to share that because we are interconnected. But we're also interconnected with each other. Ministries flow into each other. It's amazing, isn't it, how tomorrow morning we will open our doors for the Holiday Bible Club. Brilliant. That will then flow into uh, the film show that we're going to show uh, at the end of it. A family film night, The Prince of Egypt. Have you seen that film? Brilliant. Brilliant. If you haven't seen it come along. Well, you follow that up then with assemblies in the schools. Follow that up with messy church. Follow that up. Do you see how things just roll one into the other? Because there's an interconnectedness between ministries. And there's an interconnectedness between us as the family of God, the church. Your puzzle piece is designed to lock together with those around you in order to make the picture that god has designed by the creator look at what it says god has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it the king james is brilliant there combined it it translates as hath tempered together it's a lovely imagery it's about the mixing it's about the commingling the, the coalescing of two elements so they become a compound It's a similar thing going on in genesis chapter 2 where we read that a man will be united to his wife and remember it says they will become one flesh i heard about a family that couldn't afford a christmas tree they waited until christmas eve and found a tree that was okay on one side pretty bare on the other must have got it from pembrokeshire i think there we go they picked up another one, uh, It was a bit scraggly in the front and uh, scraggly in the back. And Well, they nervously offered a few quid to the salesman, hoping to, that he'd just take them. And he was quite happy, too. Nobody else wanted these two trees. They were rubbish. Later that night, the salesman was walking down the street, and he saw a beautiful tree in the couple's apartment. And, and it was thick and well-rounded. And he knocked on their door, and he said, hang on a minute, you, you bought two terrible trees from me. But what they'd done is they'd put the trees together. And that which had a good front was against the one that had a good back. And together, they looked brilliant. Friends, when we're put together just right, when the pieces of the jigsaw start to intermingle, it can be glorious. It can be brilliant. And God can work miracles through a church like that. Uh, this passage is, is wonderful. If you, you, you look quickly, uh, the, the welding together of lives in this, pur- in this uh, passage is amazing. It's got two very distinct purposes. According to the first half of verse 25, when God welds us together, when he starts interlocking us, there's no room for disunity. It's brilliant. So that there should be no division in the body, he says. That's the point, isn't it? We want to be a united church. Don't want squabbling and falling out. Perhaps we'll look a bit more at that next week when we focus on being united with one another. And in the second half of verse 25, we're commingled so that we can care for one another. It's brilliant. It's part of equal concern for each other. Literally, we should be anxious about each other. We should worry about the well-being of other people. Lovely when Sheila prayed earlier, wasn't it? for people in the life of the church do we worry about each other do we care do we We talk a lot about having fellowship in these days fellowship groups uh, we have a fellowship room that word is often used as a synonym really for having a good time together come in a fellowship yes but it's more than that isn't it we need to be really concerned for one another that's what we see in the a book of uh, Acts, when the church started, the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. They, they shared everything they had. They were, there were no needy persons among them. Uh, from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sale, put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to them as they had need. Verse 26, flesh is that out for us. If one part suffers, every part suffers. One part's honored, every part rejoices. You ever banged your little toe on the corner of the bed? You never give your little toe a second thought, dear, until something like that happens. The phrase that comes to mind is Crikey Moses. All of a sudden, everything in your body responds, doesn't it? You start hopping around. You start using your voice, praying that words don't come out that shouldn't come out. You start hopping around. All of a sudden, your little toe attracts bodily action from the rest of the body. That's what Paul is saying should happen in the life of the church. When someone's hurting, we should all be concerned. We should be rallying together to help. Praise God. I love this church. I always remember Laura Moody saying to me, I want to be part of a church that gives flowers to the sick. We could do a lot more. We need to care for each other. Love each other. Help each other. And then in verse 27, let me finish with this. It provides a great summary statement. It's lovely. Oh, there's the little toe. Look at that. You are the body of Christ. You, me, me, And each one of you is a part of it. This isn't an optional extra. You, you and me, we are the body of Christ. We are Mariah Baptist Church. This isn't just for a small percentage of people who serve or those who do X, Y, or Z in the life of the church. No, no, Paul says, each one of you is a part of it. We're called to do life together, to belong to each other. The word part there means a portion or a piece See, you are a piece of the puzzle that is mariah so can i encourage you put this somewhere safe put this somewhere that it'll remind you that you are uniquely fashioned and important in the big picture of all that God has for Mariah. God has placed you here. I thank God for you as your pastor. I thank God for you. You are strategic in part of what he is doing, an important part of the success and effectiveness of this church. And we depend on each other. God has put us here to work together. Nobody's inferior, nobody's not needed. We're all together working for his purposes and i pray this coming week my friends we will hold on to that and if you're feeling you don't fit in have a look again at your jigsaw piece and be reminded that you're very special in god's plans and god's purposes amen well we're going to finish our evening service with a lovely song that we haven't sung for a little while and it reminds us that we are god's people and that we're looking for him to make us his own.